Welcome to Reactive. I'm Khalil, and I'm here with Raquel. Hi. And Henning. Hello. Hello. What's up? Oh, what isn't up? <laughs> yeah. Tons of I woke stuff up this up. morning, and it was like, Apple, Tim Cook, big <laughs> announcement. And I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so you know, the U.S. is... um you know, becoming more and more of a surveillance state <laughs> is basically what I read out of that. <laughs> that I think we're just becoming aware of it. It probably was always that way or it's been for a long time. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's pretty rare for a company to fight back in this manner. This is pretty huge. Um, for our listeners who haven't heard about this yet, uh, basically uh, there was a shooting in San Bernardino, California, um, and the person involved in the or person or people involved in the shooting had iPhones and the FBI is doing their job and trying to investigate the whole situation, make sure that everything is done to code. Uh, but they've also asked Apple to unlock the phone um, and create a piece of software that would allow them to just open up the one phone, let them see everything that's inside. And then, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be a one time deal. But Apple has basically, like, they understand that software is never a one-time thing and has uh, basically made a huge public statement saying that, no, they will not do it. Um, they've been extremely helpful. Uh, they've, they've worked with the authorities trying to help them get every piece of information that they can get without accessing the iPhone itself, like, without breaking into, basically jailbreaking the iPhone so that any random person could open it. Um, and, uh, this is, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, of course you want to help out the investigation and Apple has been doing that, but in terms of letting the FBI have a piece of software that allows them to open up an iPhone, which really ultimately transmits in, uh, trans, uh, translates into any iPhone. It's like um, a universal key is what they're asking for, right? Exactly. Something that I can, I can open up any iPhone and get to any data inside of it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Which, um, it's interesting because I, I I can guarantee you lots and lots of companies uh, or lots and lots of companies have done that for the government and created backdoors and it's just been kind of a thing that is done because, you know, for the sake of national security. But I think Apple realizes that the iPhone is not restricted to the United States. It's something that is used all over the world. And to allow a piece of software to basically break into uh, a, an iPhone means that, I mean, software is just a bunch of bits and bytes. It can be copied and then used anywhere. And that's kind of scary. But do you think that Apple stands a chance against the U.S. government? Well, if not um, Apple, then who? Like yeah, they like this. Well, what are the, Google the, and the, Facebook they've they've built backdoor portals for for the government. Yeah, but right? Apple is like the, is the biggest or second biggest company in the world. I mean, they mm -hmm. they have like are they really a company where the government or the FBI can just say okay, you don't want to open a backdoor now we shut you down. Like mm -hmm. what, well, they, maybe not that, but I don't <laughs> know. Maybe lean on them in other ways. I mean, th th we're talking about. The U.S. government that spied on the chancellor of Germany across the street, and there were no repercussions. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's but that's very easy for the U.S. because Germany is still kind of in a situation where uh, basically the U.S. I mean, it feels like the U.S. can just tell them do this for us, and Germany does it because yeah. of the history. You know, like this is a completely different. Right situation, I, mean, okay, I think not, not I, a good comparison. I, I was just I, trying I, to point out that they're, you know, I, they have a lot of, I don't know. I think it's. Pressure. I think. I think. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's. Uh, you know, it could also be bullshit. It could also be that Apple uh, actually has backdoors in the iPhone, and um, this is just a marketing thing. 
who knows you know you, you can never take everything 100 or whatever but well regardless it's definitely a marketing thing i mean oh yeah <laughs> that's a I great mean, they, way to come out and say we are on your side you know yeah yeah so, i mean i just oh, yeah. read a, a, a read a really good article or most of it just now um about how the the iphone is encrypted and and what the fbi actually wants this is a really cool uh article is explained really well and we'll link it up in the show notes and it's apparently uh, it's 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 pretty sophisticated and it's really it's it's a pretty cool system that that has like mul like multiple encryption encryptions and it plays into also your passcode like you have to know two encryption keys and your passcode if you want if you have the device and you want to view the data on the device as soon as you copy anything on some other device it won't work like even if you know like even if you that you have the passcode like it, there's a specific key that is linked to the device's id and stuff like that so it's really completely encrypted in 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 clever ways apparently so i don't know where this person has that information from but that's what they say how this works and this is and this is for all the data like all the location data that gets it's like the, the whole device everything. is encrypted like from okay. a to z um and then you know the I think the data is encrypted in specific ways in in other way. I don't know. I didn't understand everything. I just read it. So, but they, but it's it's def, it's definitely um it's good to read this and to see yeah. what what the what the FBI is actually explicitly asking for. And uh for instance, what they definitely want turned off is that if you if you get into the device or uh if you copy the 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 iPhone's the state of it or whatever that it's still readable on a different device and stuff like that mm -hmm. so yeah but <clears throat> um if that's really true that they're basically saying no we're not going to do this and they're going to fight it openly like this i think this if this is the if it, if it is what it says it is uh, you know it's uh, it's really something really cool i think uh no i think it's, it's awesome. really remarkable too and and i think it's great that they take a stand like that and and i don't know if you are familiar with um uh, uh lava bits or bit lava it's like a an encryption or a very you know strongly encrypted email service that uh, used to exist at some point and um It was an email service that Edward Snowden used to use, so the FBI was very interested in this company. And they did the same thing, basically. They cooperated with everything to to get the data for this one specific person, and then mm. they came back and said, well, we want the keys to the house. And um, the company or the owner, it was a very small outfit, and, you know, can't, absolutely can't compare it to Apple. But basically, they, you know, they said, you have to comply, uh, lost whatever, you know, things in court, and then... Um, was forced to basically open up the system and to allow, you know, the government access to all users. However, he refused. And um, I think basically what he did is he printed out the encryption keys in cursive on paper and handed them over. <laughs> and then he shut down the company. So yeah. instead yeah. of like, you know, sacrificing his customer's privacy, he shut down the business Which yeah. I mean is is nuts if you think about it. This yeah. small business person um, with no no kind of leverage on the government basically went out of business. Um, right. So I mean, of course, you can't compare this to Apple, but I'm still thinking that you know they pull the the um, national security card on them, and I don't know how they would try to yeah. get you know get out of that. Yeah, it's yeah. also interesting that often in those cases when this happens, they're not allowed to talk about. Um, That's what I was surprised that they, about too. Yeah, normally because you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, because the lava bit uh, person had exactly that problem. They mm -hmm. got he got this letter. What is it? A security letter or a letter of secure something like that letter type, where if you get that letter and it says "Give me all your things," you're not allowed to talk about it. You can go to jail for that or something like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a whole privacy thing, and um, uh. I'm not going to say any more about it. <laughs> no, as an American I, I'm citizen, saying, I hope it as an American works. citizen, I don't want to say anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope they stand their ground. I, I'm just a little cynical about it because it's like, uh, you know, yeah, of all these yeah. things are going on. 
I don't know if they can mm-hmm. get out of it. But anyway, I hope they do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Khalil said it best. If not Apple, then who? Yeah, um, exactly. And I think I think I think it'll be very interesting to watch from the sidelines, like as this kind of goes forward. You're like, oh. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a big precedent they're setting. Then you know, so basically they could it could get to a point where where some important things, let's say, will be decided for future generation generations when it comes to mm-hmm. you know how available their data is on certain devices and stuff. And, yep. he, and yeah. Tim Cook made a good point about you know like wanting to. That there's really, really, really good reasons for Apple to protect the data and keep it encrypted and not themselves, not even themselves have access to that data because there's all this personal information about who people know, their health, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. tra- like, tra- like uh, financial transactions and all this kind of stuff that is not supposed to be out there like that for anybody, for hackers and stuff like that. They want to... It's important for them to keep that stuff as safe as possible, and um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's it makes business sense for them, and it's and it's it would be really cool to see them insisting on that and and really fighting it as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super interesting. It was really good to read that letter today. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like I said, this article is really good. It also um, they also st- are talking about a um, security white paper, uh, iOS security white paper that has been published by Apple. That if you really want to know in you know excruciating detail how the security architecture on the on iOS works, you can go read that ar- um, white paper as well. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, what else is going on? <clears throat> I don't know, <laughs> Henning, what's going on? HyperCard, you said. You want to talk about HyperCard. So um, actually, I don't know that much about HyperCard. No, but uh, uh, Raquel actually said she wanted yeah. to talk about HyperCard. <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about HyperCard. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the, well, okay. so, so basically, so, this is the very um, disappointing conclusion of the cliffhanger <laughs> we had like, what, the four episodes ago. Like a month ago. and a half ago or something. <laughs> well, okay, so here's what I know. What I know about HyperCard is that once upon a time, it was like the internet before the internet in the sense of it had uh, hot linking and documents and you could connect things uh, to each other and you could create graphics and visuals and do all sorts of things that the internet uh, can now do or is still trying to do, but you could do it all in the 80s. So... If you think about the internet as it is now and take out all the colors (laughs) and all the retina screens and everything like that, and if you just kind of boil it down to its basic, basic, like, self, um, having scripts and being able to share information and link between uh, pages and and information here and there and everywhere, um, that's what HyperCard could do. Is my understanding, and there is like a really interesting talk about it uh, that I thought was kind of cool. And basically, about six weeks ago, I think I don't remember when the last time we talked about this was, but when we last talked about HyperCard, uh, it had kind of popped up again on the internet because somebody had brought it back and mm-hmm. like brought it back to life. And people who've been in the industry since the eighties. Uh, we're like, whoa, HyperCard, yay! And there's like this really nostalgic thing about it. And I thought that was really interesting. But I entered the web industry about four years ago. So <laughs> I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> is the thing that you're talking about that brought it back, is it Cardstack.io? I don't know, she says, going onto the internet, looking at cards. No, because the thing, it rings a bell for me, the hypercard thing, and and it's in the context of basically um, being able to share documents or embed documents from other applications in, um, let's say, for example, you can can open an Excel spreadsheet in Word, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or embed it. 
and that's a feature that's still very much um you know only for native apps basically which right. doesn't work on the web and i think cardstack.io is trying to do that for the web where basically mm-hmm. you say you have all this data and you always always have to have basically a proprietary application in order to use it it would be really cool if you could you know create something in one web app and bring it into another web app and it just works the same way it does on desktop. Yeah. But I'm According, not sure if that was... Yeah. Cardstack.io is not necessarily the same thing. Okay. I mean, it, they might have similar properties and one might be a, a, have been inspired. Like Cardstack might have been inspired by HyperCard. Yeah. But according to Google, a.k.a. Wikipedia... HyperCard is an application program and programming tool for Apple Macintosh and Apple II GS computers that is among the first successful hypermedia systems before the World Wide Web. So what that basically means that this, is that this was a scripting language. Like you could, you could write a program that would allow you to link different types of media, uh, words and videos and images and et cetera, and like, like really have like a full-fledged, like I watched this one talk about somebody who created what basically looked like a video game using just hypercard, which is like stuff that nobody really did before. Like that was the eighties yeah. <laughs> when we didn't really have like full fledged video games. And so it was, it was really, I mean, we had, we had pong or whatever. I don't know. I'm <laughs> obviously com- completely out of my element here. Um, but things happened and it was cool. And then other things happened and people remembered the first things and they were really excited about it. It's basically the summary of what happened before. <clears throat> right. Cool. Uh, there, was, there was actually a recently, just a few weeks ago, there was um, an interview with the maker of HyperCard, who is actually also a co-founder of Apple, or at least uh, the employee number one at Apple. Uh, that was Steve. But yeah, yeah, probably like... Early on. Well, no, he was part of the first team. So, oh, okay. Uh, he was. He was also. Um, he was. Uh, I think also the person that actually brought Steve um, Jobs and Steve Wozniak together. He was basically a, co- a friend that they both had, and so he was the first hire that they made after they found it out, or something like that. So he created HyperCard, and there's a, a, a long interview with him, and they talk about HyperCard, and they also talk about um, the current incarnation of Hi- HyperCard. So there's a, it has a different name now, but it's it's what you said basically. It's the, you know, it resurfaced somehow, but also it, it's it, it is is its own project and it's live, and you can do the same things apparently, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. It's. I'll, we'll link it up. <clears throat> All right. Nice. Yes, and Raquel, it was your birthday yesterday, was it? Uh, Monday. Monday. It was on Monday. Oh yeah. Yay! So, happy belated birthday. birthday! Yay! Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get a quaka. Nobody got me a quaka. What is I that? really wanted a quaka. What oh, is that? God. Oh my god. <laughs> I saw you tweet about it, but I didn't have time to look it up. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to find a picture right now of a quaka and I'm going to put it in our Slack channel just so you all know what it is and so we can get your reaction to what is pretty much the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> just please hold for a moment while I work on this. Um, is it can you give us a hint? Is it is it an animal? Is it a thing or I just, just hold on one second. <laughs> this is, this is very important. Okay. All right. I'm putting it in general and I, I just put a Google search in there. So you, you just click on the link okay. and just admire. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it is the happiest animal in the world and it's super cute and adorable. It looks and like I want it's one. smiling all the time. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's so happy. That's oh, awesome. Okay. Is it also Australian? <laughs> it is. So the thing about the quokka is that it is this tiny little uh, animal that lives on, on a rat's nest, uh, rat's, rat nest uh, island, which is a tiny island off the coast of Perth. 
so like totally on the west southwest corner of Australia. And um, it only lives on this little island. It's about the size of a cat. Um, and it smiles all the time. And it hops around. And it has like a little tail. I mean, it, it looks kind of like a, like a little, really, really tiny kangaroo. Um, that is ridiculous. A, it is so <laughs> cute and so happy. Um, there's, there's one that like, uh, this is, this is, I'm going to put this in here. Um, this particular quokka is, uh, my spirit animal because it's eating and it's so happy. And I will of course link to these, um, <laughs> and now people are just be like, what the hell is going uh, yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> I have never um, heard of this. That's, that's yes. amazing. So, um, the quokka, I, so for, on my birthday, I basically tweeted out, like, for my birthday today, all I want is a quokka. Like, the day will go well anyway, but having a quokka would just make it even better. Because how can you say no to that smile? It's like the happiest thing ever. Um, Amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Amazing. There you go. Um, I didn't get one, so. Yeah, I can imagine that would be kind of hard. <laughs> so apparently... Apparently in Australia, so I, I was in Melbourne a couple of years ago, um, last year, last year, two years ago, two years ago. Um, and like, I was like, oh my God, I'm in Australia. I should just go get a quokka while I'm here. Um, and there were none in the Melbourne Zoo. But at the, the same weekend that I was there, uh, someone had actually swiped one from the Adelaide Zoo, like put it in their backpack and try to walk out of the zoo. Oh, man. <laughs> Which um, didn't work. It didn't work. Good. The quad the was safe and Rescued. fine and everything. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway. That's, <laughs> so cute. That's what I wanted, and I didn't get it. But uh, instead, I got a bouquet of flowers from my mom. And my husband made me a cake. It was the first time he ever made a cake from scratch. And it turned out really well so you know it was that was that was really fun i had a really great day nice really fun. did you take the day off i did not because the two days so like that was monday i took thursday and friday off so that i could go skiing again oh, nice. <laughs> um it was president's day weekend which in the u.s is like the most packed skiing weekend um for for skiers because most people have the three-day weekend, including Monday off. Mm -hmm. So we were like, okay, well, maybe we can kind of finagle things and go Thursday, Friday, which is a very good idea because by comparison, there was nobody on the slopes. And Saturday morning, as we were driving out, we could actually see one of the um, kind of ski resorts lines. And there was at least 100 people trying to get onto a lift. It was <laughs> unbelievable. We were like, you know what? We're leaving. Bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. <clears throat> I'm going to let out a secret. It was actually uh, also Henning's birthday a few weeks ago. Oh, what? <laughs> January 31st, yeah. What? Just Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> well, I don't go <laughs> announcing that anymore. <laughs> Happy birthday if you don't tell us. It's just what I'm saying. Yeah. Fine. So, so happy birthday, Please. Henning, as well. Well, thank you. But yours was too, right? The beginning of January. Yeah, but but that was public. Public. That knowledge. was public. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. People have birthdays. Yeah. So they're all bunched up in the. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. What date was that on Monday, Raquel? Uh, the fifteenth. The fifteenth. The day after Valentine's Day. Oh. I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten chocolate for my birthday. And it's, like, it's cool, but I know you got it on sale. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. It better be a I'll lot. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Someone once got me like a 15 pound brick of chocolate for my birthday. I had nice. to use a chisel God. and a hammer to break off chunks, and it took me about three months to eat it all. That was a good birthday present. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So what else is going on? 
Yeah. Well, I had that um, JSON API talk, and I've been sort of listening in on Twitter, what people are saying about JSON API, and I, I decided to sort of try to engage a little bit, and uh, I found a few people that were, you know, asking questions about it, so I tried to help them out, and uh, was very, very good practice in respectful, friendly discourse. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, right? It's really hard, I have to say. Especially when you get resistance or you get like, um, I, I, I have this, this fellow that he was from South Florida and there was a bit of a language barrier. But what I did basically, I went back and forth with him on Twitter and then asked him if we can't, uh, you know, go on to direct message because you can type a little more. And I talked to him for about 30 minutes and uh, it was really, really interesting and he was very thankful in the end. Um, I don't know if I was able to answer all of his questions, but I tried very hard. And, and it was, you know, you get comments like, but this is really silly or, well, wasn't that quite that friendly, but he doesn't, doesn't understand this or that. And then you try to, to explain it and be, be friendly. And um, it was a very, very good exercise. So <laughs> enjoyed that. Good. Yeah. Cool. So how did, did you like uh, search on Twitter for Jason API and just jump yeah, into I just people's have, uh, questions? I have, uh, what is it? What is that Twitter client? I think you recommended it. It's TweetDeck. And I just have a bunch of searches in there for things I'm interested in. And I listen to the JSON API stream and various other API things. And mm. whenever I come across something, I just sort of pick it up and see where it goes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Time consuming, but, but was uh, educational and fun. So. Because it stays that way. <laughs> I mean, it's also good practice for you because you because this is kind of like a spe specialization direction you're you're kind exactly, of going yeah. into, right? So it's, it is, it's yeah. re actually really good practice mm -hmm. for you because yeah. when you explain stuff to other people, then you understand better what you actually did not understand really well. <laughs> right, and you start to notice where you're lacking and yeah. <laughs> you go and study up on it. Yeah, exactly. Try to understand it better, yeah. And <clears throat> and making a really good argument for something, even if you're, you know, super, super enthusiastic, you really have to be able to back it up, and that's not always that easy. Yeah. So, I mean, huge respect for the people that I listen to, you know, that talk about, I don't know, whatever it is that... They really know their, you know, ins and outs, like Jofar Hussein and, and Yehuda Katz. I mean, that, that's just nuts listening to those guys. And man, mm -hmm. yeah. it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, figuring out how to talk to people, especially on the internet, is really, really hard. Um, and I think this is a, a, an issue for open source projects as well, like absolutely. Because um, somebody, people just, they have feelings. And I think especially people in American society, and I'm sure it goes across other society, other cultures as well, but we don't always talk about feelings and how to talk about feelings. And so sometimes you're like, I don't like the way this API is written. comes across as, this sucks. This is stupid. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you hate me. And it's like, no, they don't hate you personally. They just don't like the way the API was written. And, you know. Yeah, and they don't sometimes um, don't choose their words very wisely because you forget that you don't have the you know, the facial expressions and body language across the internet to either, you know, support that even more and say, yes, I really am pissed and this, or I'm just being, you know, silly or something. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I've talked about this before, you know, I had these, these experiences, especially in the Ember community, also in the JSON API community, that were just, I don't know, kind of inspired me to try this, to see how, how that works and how hard it really is. And damn, it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Which leads us uh, directly into the question: Is is uh, Crockford a uh, Crockford a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come oh. from? <laughs> well, it, it was a kind of a discussion uh, in our Slack channel because oh. somebody posted a Medium article about of by a woman named what was it Cassandra or something? Yeah, like that? Cassandra. 
Cassandra Perch. Okay. Uh, so basically, Cassandra Perch wrote a Medium article about how um, she essentially she basically said she will not be speaking at any conferences where Douglas Crockford is also speaking um, because after multiple interactions with him, uh, she has come away feeling really awful, um, and she got a lot of like responses uh, a lot of people were like yeah wow I really dislike interacting with Douglas Crockford as well um, and other people were like well he's old and cranky so you know whatever um, and I think I think we can all agree that not everybody would have chosen to write a medium post um, she chose to which I think is in her right and her prerogative to make that decision um, and uh, yeah we had a really interesting conversation in uh in the Slack channel about it. It was kind of awkward for me. Um but I think I think ultimately there's a huge question about what constitutes a safe space, a, a welcoming and inclusive community and uh how does one define when somebody's being a bad actor and needs to be removed? Um and how does one remove a person who's a bad actor in uh what is supposed to be a safe and inclusive community. And I think that's the bigger question that's going to be coming out of this. Um, I have yet to meet anybody who said that Douglas Crockford is a really nice dude. So uh, <laughs> to answer your question, Khalil, maybe. <laughs> well, I've heard that he heckles like people at conferences, like when, when he listens in on talks and stuff, he'll just, you know, sort of make it known that the the speaker is not knowledgeable about the subject, <laughs> et cetera. Wow. Things like that. And that's definitely not cool. I mean, uh, yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Now, I mean, he, I've he never, uses, never he, obviously he, never met him. I don't know too much about him, like on, on the personal level, except for the negative things that I've heard. But I don't know. The world doesn't need that kind of stuff. You know, this, there's, there's, you know, why? There's, it's the same thing with the, uh, Mr. Linux, you know, Linus Torswald, he's not not exactly popular in the, in that kind of department either, and it <laughs> just true. it just turns people off, and it it's like unproductive, I think, you know. Yeah. And you lose you lose a lot of good people that are turned off, or or I don't know, rightly so, insulted by it, or or you know, even hurt, and like it just doesn't it doesn't help anyone. Period. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's uh, always, uh, yeah. So two things that that I've kind of um, noticed from his talks is that he um, he likes to call like groups of people stupid uh, on stage. You know, like basically saying like uh, or yeah, not knowledgeable. He uses stupid, I think, sometimes, and he. Um, he he makes fun, you know, of Java developers, which is, you know, for a JavaScript developer can be entertaining sometimes. I I mostly found found his, uh, uh, his talks, and especially those parts where he's being, <laughs> where he's being sort of rude or, or outrageous, uh, entertaining, but, <clears throat> um. Because I don't really take that so seriously. And on top of that, he does have interesting things to say. But then again, he says, this is, you know, this is good and this is bad. But he doesn't explain now why this is good and this is bad. So there's always like this implied knowledge you suppose. So it comes across as very arrogant and like, if you don't know this already, well, then sorry. I don't know. Who, well, well, I mean, I don't think there's any question <clears throat> about his knowledge and that he's, you know, an authority on on this. But yeah, yeah. if you compare him, for example, to, let's say, somebody like Yehuda Katz, who's also extremely knowledgeable and is also not, he doesn't shy away from, you know, disagreeing with people. But he does mm -hmm. it, in, a, in my opinion, in a much more civilized <clears throat> manner. Oh, yeah. And know? he also he he also improved a lot over yeah. over the years. Um, yeah, no, so definitely, I never interacted with, uh, with Douglas Crockford personally, so I can definitely imagine how, 
you know if if he hackles people and if he just stands you know next to you and and is and is just talking about people who are giving talks and tell, calling them stupid and to talk stupid and just this kind of behavior is just yeah it's just going to create um a, just the situation for him where people are going to back away from him and people are not going to invite him anymore and stuff like that it's just normal you know because nobody wants somebody like that around you it doesn't matter how good you are at something at the end of the day <clears throat> yeah so who knows what he is but he's definitely behaving weirdly let's just agree on that <clears throat> i mean apparently according to some colleagues i have uh who have who have actually worked with him uh mm -hmm. he's gotten nicer <laughs> oh, wow. over the last 10 years um he used to be even worse so i don't know love meh. yeah yikes <laughs> meh yeah. Eh. Meh. All right. Oh, goodness. So, Khalil, were you attempting to test front-end JavaScript? Um, I, so, uh, yeah, so we're, we're doing uh, front-end tests um, at work, and we're using, you know, we're using Angular, and with Angular comes Protractor, which is a test runner, and then we use uh, Karma. No, hold on. Uh, hold on. How's this? What is the test runner again? I think Karma is the test runner, and then for for end to end tests, you can use Protractor, and for just unit tests in the browser, we use just Mean. And it's just <clears throat> once you have it going, it's fine. And then and then I I um I took on the task in my free time to to um to basically translate the the cycle.js webpack boilerplate which somebody made from the cycle.js community into a cycle.js browserify boilerplate so that if you want to start a cycle.js project you just you just clone that and you have uh you know a minimal app running and um and you have um you can you can you can build your JavaScript. You can watch it. You can you have CSS or SAS, and um, you have testing in there as well. And so I took that Webpack thing, and so Webpack uses uh, Testem, um, which is also like this test runner kind of thing that makes that also takes your tests and then runs them in a browser of your choice, <clears throat> and test them. And then it, in this case, he chose to use Tape. Um, as the the assertion uh, library, and um, so I was trying to now do that with Browserify because it's like how it works with Webpacks a little different, and um, I just I th it was just really annoying. Like that, I found it very annoying that there's always so much work around. So to just to get tests working for the browser for an application that there's just so much work to do to set it up you know like if you <clears throat> um and it just seems to me that there's, there's so many moving parts because you have to have like phantom js or a browser and you have a test runner you have an assertion library and then also you have multiple now you know assertion libraries on the internet for javascript and they all kind of are very the same you know like it's just like if I do this, then uh, this should come out, and like this should this should equal this or be similar to that or whatever. And <clears throat> it just seems to me that there's, um, yeah. I was just I it made me sad <laughs> that there was so much work to no. do <laughs> around that, and I just yeah. And I was just thinking like, would be so cool if there would be just like. Uh, some agreement there that we can use, you know, like one assertion library and can just concentrate on just ha and then have one test runner that, that does it fine, then concentrate on more higher level stuff so that basically you just have to do an NPM install and have like um, your, your spec um, files somewhere where you have tests in there and then it just runs it, you know? Like I don't want to have to think about all this other stuff. Very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to web development. Da, 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 is this something da. that uh, that Angular is Angular two is working towards, or is this totally separate? No, I mean Angular. They have they have basically 
decided on the testing tools that they want to use because they they work very heavily with testing and um, so basically they have their karma thing they have protractor they have just mean this is what most i think angular projects use and then you you can get like you can get like you know basic setups or boilerplates or you know use a generator to get you know your stuff um um, into your project so that you don't have so yeah so you don't have that much to configure and stuff. Um, but there's no really there, there's no real solution for like an a gen, there's no work being being done on a general solution or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it's difficult because there's moving parts. Like it's not with Node, it's a little easier because if you just if you just want to write unit tests for Node, then um, then you can just use tape or tap or just mean just use the assertion library basically and, and write your unit unit tests and it just runs in Node and that's that. But if you have to if you want to test those functions and then also maybe do like end-to-end -end testing meaning you know you want to simulate user interaction and stuff like that it just gets complicated <clears throat> yeah and uh and i just find this annoying yeah because <laughs> that because it's it's really like writing tests is already not super fun you know i mean if you if you have everything set up and you like you know test driven development um then it actually it's it's a good thing and it's fun and stuff but you know if you just want to if you just want to you know write a few tests quickly or something like that like it's there's just a huge hurdle um for that and i think that's it's just also a reason why there there you know there are not many people writing tests all the time and stuff so, but I have I have no solution. I mean, I, I wrote about this on Twitter also, and had a little conversation with uh, with G Gregor from from Hoodie, and um, he was so in in Hoodie. They basically he said that they just have um, they do an npm install and then npm test, and then it just works for them because they because they have I don't know what they have set up, but I also. I think that's mostly just unit tests because Hoodie, what they're working on is is the backend stuff, and you know it's not um, a, an application that runs in the browser. Um, so that's easy. Like if you have a team and you have multiple projects that all use the same assertion library and so on Node, it's okay. Like um, it's easy. But when you, when you really want to write stuff, tests in the browser, it's just more complicated. And uh, and then were some people that were th say, hey, it would be cool to work on something that you know makes this better. And I don't know. Um, I don't know how to improve this, but it just really occurred to me. As soon as you, so when you work with one setup and then you ha working on a different project in your free time, and it needs or it kind of has a different setup, and you want to use that, then you have to learn a bunch of stuff. You have to read some documentation again and stuff like that. But really, you just want to do this exact same thing that you did in the other project, and it's just now different libraries, and it's mm -hmm. weird. It's a weird it thing. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's still better than what we had before and stuff, and hopefully s some, some uh, progress will be done there on a high, higher level. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there, there's just yeah, so much to learn. Like you said, if if you have to set the stuff up by hand, that's why I don't know. It's uh, it's really everybody's yeah, JavaScript. It's everywhere and it's so easy. But yeah, oh, there's so much to learn. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and then there's this is also where Ember, you know, is cool because they have their testing story. Um, it's all in Ember CLI. But I thought I thought um, Angular two is is starting to use Ember CLI as well, and, and is basically going to do something very similar. Is that not the case? Uh, they're working on some Angular CLI thing, but I don't know in what state or stage that is. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I have to agree that that's well one of the reasons I I, I went with Ember two is you just. You have that tool, and you're you're good to go. You don't have to worry about any of the the plumbing. Um, you just do new project, and you have everything you need. So yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a good reason 
to go yeah. with them. But I was I was pretty sure that Angular two is going in that direction as well. Yeah, yeah, it's what they said. I, I mean, I've seen I've seen meeting notes from uh, some Angular meetings where they were talking about the Angular CLI. Mm-hmm. Um, so it I, it was in the works at some point. I don't know what what is. I, di- I didn't see any recent meeting notes, okay. so I don't know what what's going on with it. All right, but um, yeah, I'm sure that they're still working on it. <clears throat> I would I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still there's still some flux going on with the Angular two project uh, just saw that there's still um, for instance they they are also introducing a new router for angular 2 and that router is also undergoing a lot of api changes apparently still so we'll see mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> and, wh- and what's and what's new at npm Raquel? anything exciting going on um we're we're doing some interesting stuff uh, from a like product standpoint, like really starting to hone in on what our products are and how to make it easier for people to use our products. So for me, at least, from a kind of trying to learn everything there is to know about everything standpoint, it's super fascinating because um, I think it's a really easy question. Like it's, I think a lot of people think product is really easy. And it's really not mm-hmm. um, because like you sit there in a room with like three of your friends, AKA your coworkers and you're like, Oh, well, here's what I would want out of this product. So let me build this thing. And, <laughs> and then you build the thing and then you get a whole bunch of other people putting in their opinions. Like, Hey, this thing is happening. Wait, I don't like this. Wait, what, what's going on here? This is a, this is confusing. In particular, our pricing model. Um, our our CTO has uh, put out a bunch of polls like last week, uh, because so we created the pricing model by we I mean NPM NPM's pricing model for orgs is such that they wanted to make sure that nobody got charged for twice. Uh, for like a given person. So like as long as somebody's paying for you, whether that's yourself or an organization. You shouldn't have to be paid for again. It should be a one-time payment per person. Um, but organizations hate that. <laughs> like actual companies hate that. They're like, okay, I don't know if I'm paying for this person or not because you're telling me that maybe somebody else has already paid for them, but then I can just add them to my org for free. But how much do I need to reserve, set aside uh, for yeah, yeah. this team so that I can get the budget approval from my boss and you know and we're like whoa budget approvals we didn't think about that you know like why would we think about that we're a super tiny company where you know at least in the beginning it was a a, like it was a matter of turning your chair and saying hey can i have some money for this thing and then the other person goes like yeah cool and you're like done fantastic but no here it's like people have to create uh, purchase orders and request things via their manager, and then their manager has to go up to their manager, and then there's this whole stack of things, and da 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 da. And people are like, "Look, I just want to have 20 seats. I don't care who's in those seats. I'm just going to pay for the 20 seats, and then I just want to switch them in and out as necessary. Can we do that?" And we're like, "But what if you end up paying for somebody who's already been paid for?" And they're like, "We don't care." <laughs> <laughs> It's seven dollars a month. We don't care. Just make this easy for us. And we're like, whoa, whoa. We had no idea. So all of that is super fascinating to me. Um, so right now we're really just kind of in a in like a tweak mode of of trying to like tweak things like in terms of our product and our pricing model and our website. Um, and the next few weeks, you might see some changes to our website, um, just in terms of design and trying to make things a little bit easier, better user flows. Uh, easier ways for people to find out information, especially about the enterprise option. Um, people are not familiar. Like people don't even realize that we have NPM onsite, which is our enterprise uh, product. And like right now there's like a tiny link up in a banner somewhere. And, like, and people are like, wait, I just want to give you my money. How do I do that? And we're like, wait, 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 read through all of this text first. We want to make sure you know what you're buying. And, you know, and people are like, shut up and just let me give you my money and we're like oh okay fine so we're learning about that and we're learning about how how that works and what's really important to the end user because ultimately your three you and your three friends sitting around in a room trying to figure this stuff out 
you don't actually know anything about what people want. Like, you know, very little. So it's a fascinating learning exercise. And it takes a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you have to sort of divorce the, the, um, the paid seat from the actual user. If you want to Mm -hmm. satisfy these corporations that I just want to have 20 seats. And if somebody leaves then another person's going to come into that seat Exactly. So yeah, but yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. though, that means that we have to change the way we do our billing. Exactly. There's <laughs> <laughs> a huge like undercurrent of like, oh crap! Like we we spent seven eight months building our billing system to handle what we thought was going to be the right way to do it, and now we're getting all this feedback. It's like, oh shoot, um, <laughs> which isn't bad. It's it it's just it's an expensive learning experience. And I think every company has to learn things like that. There's no way that you're going to go in ahead of time and be like, okay, here's how we're going to do everything. And it's going to work perfectly the first time. It's not something you can easily test and and switch out really quickly either. Exactly. Exactly. So fascinating. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know our time's almost up. I just want to mention one quick little thing. Um, uh, Scott Kelly, the astronaut who is up in the International Space Station, um, he's doing this 500 days in space thing, and he is tweeting like crazy. It's really awesome, and he's uh, he's taking pictures several per day, or he's, at least he's releasing several per day on Twitter, and um, they're really incredible. So if you are interested in space and looking at pictures of the Earth, um, I can highly recommend following that account. It's really cool because he had, cool. What's the yeah, he has like a few few pictures of San Francisco. I, I mean, excuse my ignorance, but was the Super Bowl in for San Francisco or New it was? Ah, okay. it was. How did you not know about the greatest American <laughs> uh, game thing? <laughs> sports I, ball. Uh, yeah, I do it not was sports uh, ball. Follow right? the that thing <laughs> at all? So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, so I figured though that it was San Francisco or thought it might have been because he had some really cool shots of San Francisco and then also the stadium. Um, so he, I guess he flew over that while the Super Bowl was happening. So anyway, really, really, really nice pictures. So go check it out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> what I also, what I find very interesting is that there is a, um, new social network again what <laughs> yeah and it is called um actually there are two that i found out about just last week one is called um anchor um just anchor and the website is anchor.fm and it's um it's just audio snippets so you can as a user it's it's like tweets but it's uh you record audio right so you record your thoughts you have like one um one anchor <laughs> is uh is like maximum two minutes you can talk and then people can respond with their you know with their anchors with recordings and they can of course like and re-anchor or something like that and uh so that's uh, that's interesting um i like that wow how, what's the experience on that like how do you consume it is there is um well you just you yeah you you just scroll through so you follow people and then you get <laughs> you have a feed and in that feed you have audio recordings you see you see like this waveform and you pl- press play and then it goes and first so on the onboarding is done really really well so when you um when you load the app then it asks you to record your name so it first it describes how this app works then um it's also an audio recording a person talking to you and saying hey this is how it works and then please record your name because this is what's what they're going to play before so if you're in your feed and you know we're you're done listening to one anchor and it goes um to the next one it first plays that greeting that you recorded when you first did the onboarding so Uh the greeting is something like like hello i'm khalil or something (laughs) you know or just your name khalil and and then and then it plays that then for instance the team the anchor team did a Q&A in there so they recorded you know this anchor thing where it just like said hey we're going to do a Q&A blah blah ask us anything and then people could respond to that with their own recordings and they were asking them questions and they responded to their questions and stuff like that 
So uh, this is quite fascinating. I'm really interested in how this is going to take off or not take off because, uh, yeah, I love podcasts. Well, you, and love audio How do you browse through it? Do you get any kind of indication of what it's about first or do you just have to listen? Yeah. Like, no, you just listen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... So I, I, I do this thing where uh, whenever I hear about like a new startup or something, I immediately like I go to the website and then I immediately go to their careers page because a lot of times you can learn a lot about a company based on who they're hiring and et cetera, et cetera. And I find it really entertaining that they're looking for a backend engineer. They're in New York um, and it's a node app. So they want you to be able to write and maintain a Node.js server. Um and then they also want you to like, but like what they're asking for in this, in this role is kind of amazing. Like they're like, so this candidate is going to be not only great with node, but also can do front end and back end can also write C like uh, SQL, uh, can do, uh, can like challenge computer science pro- uh, problems, object oriented programming, uh, Git, got to be able to communicate uh, persistent slash determined work ethic, which to me says you're going to work a lot, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> strong interest in podcasts and talk radio, ability to work well with teams. Uh, if you can also build iOS and Android apps, that'd be cool. What? Uh, and and if you know how to do audio programming, that would also be All awesome. Right. Ten yeah. years of experience in each, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, only two plus. <laughs> Two plus six years of experience building web apps, web apps uh, back end, front end, and two years, uh, two plus years of experience writing highly optimized SQL, <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, you are asking for a massive, massive like unicorn right there. Yeah, yeah. Unicorn, and I'm like, yeah. I don't think you can find one person who can do all those things certainly you can't find someone who can do all those things well exactly Um, Exactly. (laughs) so but hey it's a node app and they're hiring so um (laughs) and in new york city so you know if you're looking for a gig in new york city and want to write node and uh our quote persistent slash determined work ethic and a willingness to try anything and everything uh then go for it (laughs) wow (laughs) sounds like a shitty job it it just it sounds intense, really intense, and it sounds like they don't really know what they're asking for and what they're looking for. Like they're yeah. not really thinking; they're just looking for a twenty-two year old that they can burn out or something like that. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah, very pissed. But but a twenty-two year old isn't going to have two years of front end, back end, and SQL experience. Uh, well, if they started with eight years uh, of age, then they have even more experience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right best of luck to you anchor we're you know we're curious to see where you end up all right right what was the other social network the other social network is called musically and it's um it's musical.ly obviously the website and uh, uh so what you can do is you can record a video of yourself lip syncing a track and it can be really apparently any track like they definitely have some sort they either are not in conflict with any major labels yet or they have found a some sort of a deal with them where you can just um you can upload um a track and then you can record a video of yourself lip syncing it or you can record duets i don't know how that works and it's all about around lip syncing and making music like your own personal music videos and i mean uh i don't know it's so i heard it as part of a um a video from uh, so Gary Vaynerchuk, who is like, I don't know, I don't want to explain this whole backstory now, but he answers questions about social media and how to, you know, to, 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 to be successful as a business with new social media networks. And he got this question about how did, how did you like, what, what would you do if you were an up and coming musician? How would you like place yourself? How would you use social media to, 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 to stand out. And he said, well, there's this new thing musically. And he, he would just, you know, 
create like fun videos with your own music on musically and i can totally see that that would be really cool and musically has you know a lot of very young users and a lot of you know they seem to be very active and you know they comment a lot on especially the more popular ones on there and stuff and uh but most of the content that i've seen there is really literally just um a young person <clears throat> Uh, lip syncing I think it's only 20 seconds of a track or something like that or 10 or something like that so it's pretty short it's not a full track and then they lip sync into the camera and make sure that they look good and then have some do like and they and they always like miming what they're saying so when the <laughs> lyrics say like I'm walking on the street or whatever they do those little two fingers walking and you know like and then I stand up they do some movement that signifies standing up I don't know it's actually very weird and uh i don't find very interesting um, yeah, but it seems to be say, i must be just too old I'm like no thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very very weird um but you know like i don't i de i definitely remember how i um Of course, when I was was younger, like I would like to sometimes tracks that I really really liked, I would lip sync sometimes in front of the mirror or something like that, and it like, like imagining what it would be like to be, uh, you know, to perform that track, which kind of you feel like this is an amazing track and it gives you all this life, you know, and it's empowering and stuff like that. That's a good point because I mean, there's definitely a, a phase in your life you go through that, and and now having a platform to actually, you know, but there's people that have like there. millions of I saw um, like hundreds of thousands of followers, I think, uh, wow. that. And all they do is just video after video where they lip sync a few seconds of a track in yeah. this in this way, which this is just too much somehow. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it does not work. There's no real entertainment uh, for me. For But you, it's really yeah, very young people, people it seems. Really young people. Yeah. It's interesting. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'll be going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that looks like something that kids would use yeah so totally yeah. It's, it's the new snapchat i'm, I'm sure, sure they're gonna make millions doing that I don't, oh I'm i mean the company sure. you know um assuming like uh khalil said that they have deals with record companies because they could also get shut down very quickly <laughs> yeah, yeah totally oh goodness They don't have a career page, unfortunately. Yes. No, they don't. They were smart. <laughs> 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 they evaded our judgment. <laughs> they were like, oh, wait, hold up. <laughs> we're a small operation. We can't hire anybody yet. Yeah, we don't also, want to get on that reactive podcast and be ridic yeah. ridiculed. <laughs> oh, goodness. Ah. All right. All right. Okay, I think it's t it's time, isn't it's it? Time. Mm. All right. Well, friends, you can definitely reach out to us uh, the, via the Twitters. We're at uh, at Reactive Pod on Twitter, and um, you can find me on Twitter as well at Rockbot. Um, come say hi. And you can find the show notes um, of all the shows on Reactive dot audio slash episode number and um you can um also visit our slack chat there's a bunch of cool people in our slack chat and there is uh, also there's a new channel now uh and it's called article review because the Ooh. one of our members uh Citus, it was he um he wrote his first ever blog post a uh, very interesting blog post um, about mental health because <clears throat> it concerns him and he wanted to get it out. And so he wrote an article and he wanted some feedback. And uh, so we created an article review channel. So anybody who feels like they want to have some feedback on articles they're writing, they can put that in there and people and get people's feedback. So that cool. Was That's cool. very cool. Yeah. That's I have awesome. to go and read that one. I yeah. saw that he was doing that, but I didn't have time to read it yet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any new Slack members? Speaking of Slack, that's a good question. Uh, 
I'm not I sure. I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. I've 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 hacked around uh, Slack's uh, kind of system by doing by making sure that every time somebody new joins, I always say, say "Welcome, comma username." So now all I have to do is do a search for "Welcome" in the oh, general channel, and clever. that way, yeah, I'm smart. Um, <laughs> Automating uh, your life. We said hello to Tim Petruski last week, right? Oh, he's new. That's right. He is new. Tim, or or do so, we say did we did we say hello yeah, last week? That could be. I'm not sure. But he's definitely. Uh, he he just came in and said hi and and uh, and sent us a red heart and that was it. Oh, never to be seen again. <laughs> and then just disappeared. Yeah. Just in and out, like a <laughs> raccoon invading a kitchen. Exactly. <laughs> My brain is so different from everyone else's. I am aware of this. I am totally aware of this. That's fine. <clears throat> oh goodness! All right, is that yeah. is that all of them? So there's, oh, I think I think there's just yeah, that was it. So we don't have so, any new reviews. Um, so if you, I know there's probably new people listening. So if you could please leave us a review. Go to the show notes, and there's a link there. And either you just give us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would help us out a lot. Or you could tweet about us or tell a friend, or you could recommend the podcast in your favorite app. Uh, works really nicely in Overcast, and I think others, you can do the same. And uh, my name is Henning, and uh, no, that's not what I want to say. I'm H. Glattergots <laughs> on Twitter. Man, it's getting late. <laughs> that Twitter name is a problem, man. You gotta, you gotta change that. <laughs> Every time it trips me, almost. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think maybe you should just change your Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm slowly con- being convinced of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, H Gladdergots on Twitter, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Right, bye, bye, everyone. Bye. bye.